Hi guys, I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording and we just came back from having all of December off. I mean, technically right now it's actually Christmas Eve for us. And we're going to see a movie in a couple hours and we had some time. So I was like, hey, let's record our next episode. Hopefully everybody had an amazing Christmas. We are sitting here in our matching robes right now. My sleeve's damp on mine. Why? Because I forgot that these sleeves are long because I'm used to my other bathrobe where like when I go to wash my hands, my arms just stick out of it. By the way, I... if you guys didn't know, Maddie's arms are actually longer than mine, even though she's a lot shorter than me. Yeah. So we've been trying to find her a bathrobe with like long enough arms that they're not short. Because like bathrobe arms, I understand that there's a lot of them are supposed to be short. I get it. That no, that's I want it to be it. cozy. I want them to be long. But like when I straighten my arms in the bathrobe I have, it literally is almost to my elbow. Like yeah. it, it's all, it goes to here. Uh-huh. Well, and I think we posted a picture of us in our bathrobes, our matching bathrobes. Well, they're not matching. They're like the same bathrobe, but they're different colors and different, different plaids. Yeah. They're different plaids. So... Yeah, so we took the month off, except we did release a Patreon-exclusive episode. Uh, If you need some extra episodes or want to have a bunch of bonus material, go and check us out on Patreon. You can support us there. And there's lots of fun stuff on there. Today, we are covering Missing at Rainbow Falls. So this is the story of Christina Kaleka. And she was born on the 19th of December, 1986, making her just 20 years old when she vanished while on a camping trip in Rainbow Falls Provincial Park in August of 2007. So not too old. We're not going too far back. 2007? 2007. How old were you in 2007, Madison? I was eight. (laughs) No. In 2007? What year do you think you were born in? 2001. Uh-huh. So how old would that make you, Madison? Six? No, wait. Yes, you would be six. six. Good job, Madison. Uh, technically, you're actually five because it's in August of 2007. And you turned six in August or in September of 2007. But eight is really close to five. (laughs) I just feel like I'm always eight. By all accounts, Christina was a bubbly, hardworking person. Having graduated from George Brown College in 2006 with a degree in early childhood education. You've got to be a pleasant person to get a degree in early childhood education, I feel like. Yeah, no thank you. No thank you. Christina was working at St. Bernadette's Daycare and giving half of her monthly paycheck to her mother so she could quit her many odd jobs and focus on starting her own business. She also planned to go back to the university to become a teacher. Also, no thank you. I commend all teachers. Not anything I would want to do. In her free time, Christina also volunteered at a church youth group called the Youth for Christ and organized lots of different activities and conferences. So there was a youth conference in Montreal that Christina was originally planning to attend on the civic holiday weekend. I don't know what that is. Civic holiday weekend? 
Just roll with it. Okay. She decided that it was way too expensive and she couldn't afford it. So she decided to plan a camping trip with her cousin and some friends. The trip was super spur of the moment and the destination would be Rainbow Falls. And it was picked because it was the third listing on their Google search for Ontario parks. So literally Google searched it, third one on the list. They probably liked the way that it sounded. Rainbow Falls sounds like a pleasant place. Yeah. And that's where they decided to go. Okay. Let's talk about Rainbow Falls Provincial Park. The park covers 1,421 acres and is comprised of two non-contiguous parts. White Sand Lake Campgrounds, which is the main section of the park, and Rossport Campground, next to Lake Superior. Both campgrounds are just off of Highway 17. The White Sands Lake section of the park has beaches and five trails, including a trail that leads to the park's namesake falls. Mm -hmm. So the falls that it's named after. Rainbow Falls, yeah. Gotcha. As well as a back 40 trail, which goes through an abandoned campground that has a panoramic view of Lake Superior. So... From this campground, you can do a lot of exploring and hiking. There's a lot of places that you can go. Okay. So the Rossport section is more historic and provides camping and fishing along the rocky shores of Lake Superior. Mm-hmm. The terrain in Rainbow Falls Park is rocky with granite boulders as well as forested areas, several bodies of water, and thick vegetation in the summer. Camping season is from May 20 to October 10. As the Canadian weather makes camping impossible at other times of the year. So snow or it's just too cold. So this group of young adults that are going to go camping consists of Christina, her 20-year-old cousin, Faith Castulo, and two friends from her youth group. We have Edward McGew and Joe Benedict, who are also 20 years old. None of the group were experienced hikers, which isn't a big deal because they're planning to drive right into this campsite and Mm -hmm. set up camp there. I don't think being experienced hikers is important, but are they at least experienced campers? The group had planned to make the 15-hour drive from Toronto in Edward's beat-up 1992 Toyota Corolla. But it was so unreliable that Christina's mom, Elizabeth, insisted that they take her Honda CRV instead. That's very nice of her. That's a long drive with a bunch of young adults. Yeah. Here, take my car instead. It's a lot to put on a car. Mm -hmm. So on Saturday, August 4th, 2007, the group packed the car and set off to Toronto. At about... 10 a.m., they began their almost 15,000-kilometer journey, or 932 miles. And they did make several stops. I would hope so. They stopped at lots of scenic places, and this extended their travel time considerably. Yeah. And they did run out of fuel just outside of Wawa. Just outside of Wawa? Wawa? Ontario. Township in Ontario. Hmm. All right. It's a real place, you guys. It does exist. The group finally arrived at Rainbow Falls around noon on Sunday the 5th. 
despite reserving Lot 72 at the White Sands Lake Campground. They decided to relocate to Lot 88, which was a more private spot than 72. Right, and I'm assuming it didn't have, like, a reserve tag on it or... I mean, that's how our campsites work. Some are reserved and then some aren't. Yeah. Well, 72 was right by the road, so... I wouldn't that. want to be by the road either. Um, yeah. And after picking their spot, the group set up in their tent and they relaxed, taking photos of each other. Having driven through the night, they did also take a nap. Um, yeah. <laughs> though the alarm they had set didn't go off and they ended up sleeping from 6.30 to 10 p.m. Yeah, so that's going to make for a long night. They're not going to be able to sleep at night now. Yeah, so once they'd woken up, the group started a fire and they cooked some food, according to Edward. Though they were drinking, no one was drunk. Right, so a little bit of drinking, all underage drinking, but, you know. How old are they? They're camping. They're like 20. Is What's the legal drinking age in Canada? In 19. Is it 19? Yeah. Oh, so they're not underage. And they're legally drinking. So the last photo ever taken of Christina was captured just after midnight, showing her, Edward, and Joe tending to a frying pan over the fire. And it's basically just like the three of them are sitting down and they're kind of leaning over like a pan of food that's cooking over the fire. Yeah, they're like huddled. Mm-hmm. After they finished their food and their drinks, the group stayed up chatting until around 3 a.m. And the fire is put out and Eddie goes to the comfort station. Yeah, it's like a communal like shower bathroom area that's at the campground. They call it a comfort station. Okay. So the fire is put out and Eddie goes to the comfort station to shower and clean up before bed. And when he returns, Christina is the only one awake, and apparently Christina has suggested or joked about going swimming in the lake before bed. And she had said that it was probably too dark. Eddie and Christina turned in for the night between 3.30 and 4 a.m. Right. So at this point, everybody else is asleep or in bed, and Eddie and Christina are the only two awake, but they go to bed between 3.30 and 4 After only a few hours of sleep, Eddie and Christina are awake again just before dawn at 6.30. And this is on Monday the 6th. Leaving Faith and Joe to sleep, the two of them go to the bathroom at the comfort station. And on their way back to the tent, they decide that they should go for a morning jog. Though Christina was an occasional jogger, She had stepped on a needle years earlier, which had become embedded in her foot. And when it was removed, it left a hard inflamed callus, which apparently made running or standing for long periods of time uncomfortable and painful for her. So this injury could have been what prompted them to split up. Though the exact reason is unclear, as Eddie doesn't remember why exactly the two decided to go separate ways while suspicious. jogging. I'm already suspicious. Thank you. I'm already suspicious. Eddie, we're suspicious. I don't know of anything. You. I know nothing, but I'm suspicious. Well, we also know that nobody at this point has seen Christina since. 3.30 the night um, before. Here's my question. Or 3 o'clock. Is Eddie and Christina in a relationship? I don't think so. Is anybody in this group in a relationship? I don't think so. Are they sharing tents? I don't know. That was not stated. I just have a couple questions. 
I would guess that the boys are in one and the girls are in one or they're all in one. But either way, nobody has seen Christina since they went to bed at 3 a.m. Besides Eddie. Now, Eddie, who was training to become a firefighter at the time, wanted to jog along Highway 17. And he was more intent on actual jogging, but Christina wanted to stay within the park and see the sights. So the pair does split up where the campground road forked. Eddie took the road to the highway and Christina headed down the trail to the falls. Neither of them had established a meetup time and they just kind of split ways without being like, hey, I'll meet you back at the campground or no, I'll bro, meet he you. Killed her. Why would you want to go jogging on the road? Well, I mean, he's training, so it's probably easier to jog on the road if he's trying to get his miles in. But Eddie said that Christina seemed upbeat and cheerful despite their late night. And according to Eddie, he last saw her walking, rather than jogging, down the trail to the falls. So Eddie runs along the highway, aiming to get to Rossport, which was around 10 kilometers away. But he didn't quite make it that far before turning around. Eddie did carve F-C-J-E, the first initials of the group, into the rock at the rest stop, which was along the highway. He had been gone around an hour before he returned to the camp. The others were still asleep when he returned, and there was no sign of Christina. So Eddie dozed in a chair before searching for an axe to chop up some firewood. So he gets back to the camp, the other two are still sleeping. Christina is not there. Okay, so at 9.30, which is really late to wake up for camping, I feel like. I mean, I know Yeah, but remember, they were up until True. like 3 a.m. I would just, I don't think I would be able to sleep that we, long at a We're like up with the sun when we're camping. Yeah. I don't do, I don't sleep well. No, me neither. So, so at 9.30 a.m., Faith and Joe woke up and Christina had been gone for about three hours at this point and no one in the group was concerned. They all killed her. So her cousin Faith, oh, they're cousins. The two girls are cousins. I miss that. Yeah. Assume that she was just off on her own having some quiet reflection time in nature as it was common for Christina to want to be by herself for stretches of time. Okay, so that makes sense of why none of them were concerned. Right. Got it. Understood. So Eddie and Faith set about making breakfast and asked Joe to keep an eye out for Christina at the beach nearby as he went to the showers, but he returned without sighting her at all. Right. And by 11 a.m., the group were starting to get worried and decided to head out to search for their friend. Eddie and Joe took the car and drove the road up to the car park for the Rainbow Falls trailhead. Joe then went to search the Rainbow Falls trail while Eddie took the Superior Trail, which headed back in the direction of the road to camp. Joe followed the trail to the park boundary where it turns into the Casquays Isles Trail before turning around. And Eddie followed the Superior Trail running until he came to a rocky outcropping and couldn't find which way the trail continued. So he turned around. Neither of the men asked anyone for help or if anyone had seen Christina while they were checking these trails. So even though they did encounter people, they weren't like, hey, have you seen a girl that matches this description? Like, they didn't interact with anybody while they were out there searching. Which, I don't think that's terribly crazy. They're kind of young. I'm not surprised. So they headed back to camp after searching at around 1.45, where Faith was waiting. 
They decided to leave a note in case Christina returned, and all three got in the car to head to Rossport, hoping to find Christina waiting there. Not sure why they would think she would be there. It was only when they inquired at the park gate about trail maps that they told anyone that Christina was missing. And the park official was immediately concerned and told the group that they needed to report their friend as a missing hiker to the Ontario Provincial Police. While the group went to do so, the park officials began making phone calls and mobilizing their own search of trails and beaches nearby. By this point, Christina had been missing for about seven and a half hours. At least those guys are on it. At least the park police. They go to ask about like a map and the park rangers are like, wait, your friend's been missing for like seven hours? That's a concern. Yikes. Yeah, um, that's concerning. But I'm always glad to see that the... Everyone's always on top of it in Canada, I feel like. Every time we do a case in Canada. I know. They, they seem to it. be, like, on their searching. Yeah. yeah. So the police arrived shortly after receiving the report and set up a base at the White Sands campground. And Christina's mother was notified. A massive search was underway immediately. The OPP deployed search dogs the following morning. Which, uh, that's pretty, I mean, this is pretty quick. It could have been quicker. They could have had search dogs out there that day if they'd been notified sooner. But it's tough to get search dogs to a location sometimes. Yeah. And um, this is a, they're, they're releasing these dogs and searching around the area that Eddie reported seeing Christina last, which is heading towards. Right. Rainbow Falls. And though conditions were ideal for dog scent searching, the 24-hour delay may have enabled the dogs from picking up her scent. Because they pick up no scent. And the park was pretty busy. Yep. So they have no leads from the search dogs. The OPP does search along the Rainbow Falls Trail and continued out of the park boundary along the Kesquay Isles Trail. They were performing what is known as a contour search, and they had teams on the trail and off the trail on both sides. Covering an area of 53 kilometers, the searchers shouted for Christina until their throats were sore, hoping that she might answer them. They were working on the assumption that she was alive, but possibly lost or injured. But ultimately, they would find nothing. Also... There's, I'm sure, I'm sure, I, Canada's, I'm, I don't know the area, but Eddie's not suspicious. We're going to stop on that. Eddie's not suspicious. Eddie didn't do it. She went to Rainbow Falls and like she could slip and fall. There's so many things that could happen. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's a fall. And we know how easily people get lost off trail. Yeah. And so many people die at falls trying to take a picture, it's trying the, to do it's anything. so slick around them. Yeah. yeah. Getting a, mm-hmm. getting a good look at something. She slips and falls. She could be. She could totally be injured and lost out there. Yeah. very. It's very true, yeah. Now, at the same time that this search is going on, the OPP also deployed what is described as a hasty team, which searched an 8-kilometer area from the point that Christina was last seen. This 8-kilometer area was chosen because 90% of all people lost in the bush will be found around 8 kilometers from where they were last seen. Though not every inch of the eight kilometers was searched, obviously that's basically impossible. The coordinator followed natural landmarks, which Christina may have been drawn to if lost. So, like, obviously, if you're searching 
in the middle of the woods off trail, you're not necessarily going to search in an area that's really hard to get to because a person's not going to necessarily go that way. They're going to follow contours that make it easy for them Mm -hmm. in most cases, especially if they're not experienced hikers, right? Yeah. The only thing found in this search was a pair of socks, and they were deemed too dark to be Christina's, and a footprint... Too dark to be Christina's? Yeah, they were, like, darker than the socks she was last seen in, but she could have had other socks on. Yeah, what do you mean? (laughs) I don't know how reliable that is, though. Yeah. But they also found a footprint by a 35-foot deep swimming hole below the falls. But neither clue was thought to point to Christina. So not sure how long that footprint would have been there, but we do know there are other people in this area. So we don't know what size the footprint was or anything like that, but it did not point to being her size. Now, the OPP was very strict on who they would allow to search. They did not allow family on the trails, But they did have over 100 law enforcement officers, firefighters, search and rescue professionals, and they were mobilized to look for Christina. Aircrafts with thermal and infrared capabilities were deployed on the fourth day to scour the dense brush. So it took them four days to get things into the air, which kind of seems like a long time to me. Maybe weather? Could have been, yeah. Wind or something? I don't know. The Fleur picked up plenty of moose and bear, but found no sign of Christina. Similarly, no sightings of Christina were spotted from the unequipped craft, which I'm assuming is like a drone, right? I don't know why they call it that there, but... She was last seen wearing a striped red and purple top, blue or gray hoodie, black pants, and white running shoes. So the majority of her clothing was dark and might not have stood up very well among the brush. How do we really know what color socks she had if he's not even sure if her hoodie was blue or gray? Yeah, he doesn't know what color her hoodie is, but he's like, you know, those socks are way too dark to be her socks. And it could just be that the maybe her cousin knew what color her socks were and maybe they were all lighter colored socks. Maybe. I mean, we don't know where the sock description comes in, but... Exactly, but still... I know. If I ever get lost in the woods, I'm probably screwed because most of my clothes are dark. Yeah, you're going to blend in. You're going to blend in, too. Your clothes are all, like, green and brown and tan. No, I am. I'm going to die. We're both going to blend in. I feel like black will stand out a little better than your green and your tree and bark colored clothing. Well, like looking like a tree when I'm out there. Giant leaf (laughs) with plants. The closest I'll ever get. Madison identifies as a tree. Um, so over the next few days, the search and rescue teams investigated reports of heightened scavenger bird activity. So crows and vultures being seen in the area more than usual. And they also were dispatched to a lean-to shelter, but neither of these leads came back to anything. They found no sign of her. The official search continued for 17 days with no leads. So despite being discouraged from searching, groups of 100 to 200 residents gathered together and performed a grid search from the 11th to the 13th of August. 
So a week after Christina goes missing. Which is during the normal search that's already going on. So the civilian search was organized by the mayor, of course. That sounds fitting. Yeah. Um, of the nearby Terrace Bay. And the town councilor as well helped organize this. And the civilian search was overseen by the Terrence Bay Fire Chief. Yep. The first search on Saturday the 11th lasted for eight hours and covered the area from the park's east beach to Highway 17. So then on the second day, so the 12th, 50 to 80 volunteers showed up. And this was including members of Christina's family who had been banned from searching previously and her friend Joe and Edward. A third civilian search was conducted on Monday the 13th, though volunteer members were significantly reduced as many people had to return to work. As the volunteers searched the ground, the OPP was searching the nearby lake using sonar, and divers were also used, but there was no sign that Christina was in any of the body of waters. I mean, I think it's just as likely as her being in the woods, right? Like, Honestly. Especially because, if you remember, early that morning, she, she had suggested that they go swimming. Mm-hmm. So could she have... What if she didn't even go to bed? Who's saying she went to bed? Well, nobody, but... She, Edward? She went into her... Yeah, exactly. That's what I mean, is nobody else has seen her since 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. So we only have Edward's word on that, that they didn't go swimming the night before. Mm-hmm. By Monday the 13th, Christina's father, Mario, was very frustrated with the lack of results, and he would end up returning home to Toronto. And while he was there, he did go up in the air with police looking for his daughter. I mean, I get being frustrated, but it sounds like they are looking for her. Mm -hmm. As the days went by, the family became less and less certain that they were going to find Christina alive. Despite encouragement from the search and rescue officials who said that the chances of survival were still high, given the favorable conditions meaning that dehydration or hypothermia were unlikely. So she really does still have a good chance of survival because it's not super cold Mm -hmm. and there's plenty of water. Yeah. So on August 22nd, Christina's uncle, Ken West, gave this statement to the media. They've used canine units, they've used planes, they've used submarines, they've used all sorts of different ways in order to find Christina and nothing. Absolutely nothing. There's no clue at all. Yeah. The final grid search was conducted by police on the 21st of August, working on the idea that Christina was a non-responsive person and could not call out to identify her position. So basically, this final search that they do, they are doing in the assumption that she can't call out, which means looking a lot more like under brush and in areas, not just relying on somebody to respond when mm-hmm. calling their name, walking through the area if that makes sense. Most of the resources were withdrawn, leaving just 25 officers to complete the search. With the limited resources and lack of clues, the search was officially called off on the 23rd of August. In response, Christina's mom told the media that she would continue to search for her daughter herself. Though the search was called off, police reported that they were continuing to follow 60 tips or leads which had been reported to them and were still interviewing campers who stayed at the park on the day Christina went missing. 
as promised, Elizabeth did finance several private searches for her daughter. The first, which was a collaborative with the OPP, cost $44,000. Holy shit. Which she had fundraised and withdrawn from Christina's trust fund. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess what else do you do at this point? It consisted of 22 volunteer searchers working over five days in the winter of 2007. OPP Sergeant Eric Luoto, who was in charge of the search, said that they were hoping to take advantage of the thin brush cover, which, so like now that winter's here, there's a lot less leaves and brush cover, so it might make it easier for them to find Christina or her body at this point because we are no longer looking for a survivor Mm -hmm. by this time. The search was originally scheduled for the 19th of November, but was delayed because of poor weather conditions. And after police did their part of the search, Elizabeth and other family members alongside teams with search dogs and cadaver dogs were allowed to search the area. So basically, the police go in first, they search the area, and then the family members are allowed to go in. I'm not sure why the dogs and Search dogs and cadaver dogs were held off until after police had gone through. Because that, to me, seems like it could contaminate the area. But the canine handlers reported strange behavior in their dogs around a large hole in the area. Though they did not signal that they had scented a body. They just were behaving strangely there. And when this hole was investigated, nothing was found. I wonder what was strange about it. They just know something's wrong. Yeah. After more fundraising, a second private search was launched in November of 2008. A team of six cadaver dogs searched around the spot Christina was last seen. According to Handle search manager Jeff Haas, all six dogs did signal for human remains at the bottom of the Hewitson River, but the fast-flowing deep water made searching too difficult. By 2009, The interest in Christina's case had dwindled, and fundraising only provided around $610 of the estimated $21,000 needed for a third search. But Elizabeth did not give up, though she admitted she was prepared to after 20 months without any results. So Elizabeth did not give up, although she does admit that she was prepared to after 20 months with no results. A third and final private search was funded by the family and launched on the 19th of September 2009 in what searchers described as perfect conditions, led along by Jeff Haas. They focused along the river where the dogs had indicated previously that there were human remains the year before. 21 volunteers from the search, rescue and recovery, but they were unable to find anything around this area. With dwindling money, Elizabeth made the difficult decision to call off any further private searches for her daughter in order to be able to afford to put her son through college. And no further private searches have been conducted since the 2009 one. So in 2010, human remains were found in the Thunder Bay area. While it was initially thought that they could belong to Christina, it was quickly determined that they were not related to her case. Yeah, so another 
bodies out there. I wonder if there's another missing hiker or how quickly they were able to identify the remains. Yeah, I don't know. So I did want to discuss the OPP's leading theory when Christina was first reported missing, which was that a bear could have attacked her. And there were black bears in the area. We know that. we They found moose and black bears while they were doing the thermal imaging. But I don't see this as a very likely outcome because this area was pretty busy. And the chances of her running into a bear are going to be slim. Also, black bears are pretty skittish. And they don't usually attack people unless provoked they have their young or they're malnutritioned, right? They also found no blood or clothing or drag marks or anything like that. There's also no reports of bear issues in this park. But I think that was the only thing they could think of that would explain why she was not responding to searchers calling out immediately. Like, oh, maybe something's wrong. Maybe something happened to her. Do you know how far you can get in seven hours? Dude, seriously. That's... That's my theory, actually, but we'll talk about that like, in a minute. Like, you can get so far. You can get so fucking far in seven Like, hours. she's probably just nowhere around there. Like, if she actually wandered off, like, she's gone. So, in seven hours, on relatively easy terrain, we would hike that in... We would hike about 14 miles in that, on hard terrain, in that amount of time. Because we hike about two miles per hour. Okay. So... 14 miles, I doubt their search expanded out that far. No. Um, another theory which has been hugely popular both with the public and Christina's family is foul play. Elizabeth was very early on the search for her daughter and suspected that she may have been abducted or murdered, stating that her daughter's kind and trusting nature would have made her an easy target for an opportunistic killer, which we have actually seen that quite often in the woods as well so that is not completely out of the realm of possibility Mm -hmm. plus we know this area where they are is really close to a road Mm -hmm. there have been other theories thrown around out there some of them including the three people that she is hiking with specifically eddie and we heard maddie throw this theory out in the beginning right almost immediately well obviously he killed her right like He's the last person to see her. Nobody has seen her since 3 a.m. It's only his word that they even went for a jog that day. Yeah. So I totally get why people would jump to this conclusion. I am assuming that the police have completely cleared him or have zero evidence pointing to him having anything to do with it. But I do still think that I would be suspicious. Yeah. The Another theory is that she simply succumbed to some sort of injury or exposure. And this would lean towards the maybe she wandered off the trail for some reason. She got further away from the search area. By the time they started searching, she was already further than they thought she would go, which we also know a lot of people do when they get lost. They don't stop and stay put, right? No. They keep going thinking that it's just around the corner. Yeah. Also, people are really reluctant to turn around when they're lost, which, you know. Just turn around. Also, it turns out that Christina vanishing at Rainbow Falls is not the first time that she had gotten lost. 
while hiking with a group on the Seton hiking trail near Oshawa, the whole group got lost. And after wandering aimlessly for a few hours, they emerged to safety. According to friends, Christina had notoriously poor spatial awareness and sense of direction and would frequently get turned around even in Toronto. So giving her history, walking alone on the trail, Christina easily could have wandered off the trail on purpose or accident. Remember, she did want to see the sights, according to Eddie, mm-hmm. anyway. And then was unable to find her way back. I mean, yeah. Sergeant Luido stated during searches that there were a number of large crevices, holes, and brush covering made searching the ground very difficult. So a lot of thick vegetation, very difficult for air searchers. And then she could have crawled under a bush or something to try to stay warm, and that's why they haven't found her body. Also, remember the cadaver dogs continued to hit by the river? Could she have fallen into the river and ended up being taken down by the current? Oh, shit, yeah. Right? So, I mean, think about that. Like, if that's a place where they did show interest that easily could have happened yeah easy maybe her feet hurt from jogging and she tried to put her feet in the water yeah i mean you really don't know or was turned around and tried to cross this river i mean who knows but with no evidence no definitive clues at all there can be no answers really now when christina was last seen she was 5'2 at 125 pounds She had black shoulder-length hair that is wavy with orange streaks in her bangs. She was wearing a striped red and purple shirt, blue or gray hoodie, black pants, and white running shoes. She is a Canadian Filipino, and if anyone has any information, they can get in contact with the Ontario Provincial Police. I mean, if you look at the pictures for this area where Rainbow Falls is, I mean, it is very dense, and... There is, the body of water is pretty big. Oh, yeah, it is. So, I mean, ugh. Her poor family, though. Like, ugh. But, yeah, that is the story of Christina, who is still missing, and no sign of her has ever been found. None of her clothing, nothing that she was wearing. So she walked away, or she fell in the river. Right. Like, she just got lost and kept walking, and she's far away. She got swept away in the river, the falls. That That's what happened. Or Eddie killed her. Or she was kidnapped by a stranger. I don't... And removed from the park. Maybe, but... I mean, that one's always a possibility. Though. That's, always, that's a always a possibility. That's always a possibility. But we are going to go into our crazy theories. Mine's a little more um, forceful than what Madison just uh, stated. But we're going to go into that on Bunker Talk. So if you're a Patreon, come join us on that. If not, join Patreon. And speaking of Patreons, we have some new Patreons. So we have Kathleen Roberts. Hi, Kathleen. Welcome to Patreon. We have Samantha Lambridge. That was pretty good, Madison, actually. Hi, Sam. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Kim Harris. Hi, Kim. And Samantha... Ooh, what do you think? Nope. Left, oh my gosh, I have no idea how to pronounce this. Guess, Madison. No, I don't know. Madison, guess. I can't. Guess, your best guess. No, I can't. Your best I'm guess. Not. No, you go. Left Brieve? 
Uh, oh my gosh, I don't know. Samantha. Where are they from? I don't know. I, I don't have it up on here. Let us know how you pronounce your last name because I have no idea. We also have Abigail Stahl. Hi, Abigail. Welcome to Patreon. We have Sabrina Weinholtz. Weinholtz? Weinholtz. Yeah. Hi, Sabrina. Welcome to Patreon. We also have Tracy Burkholder. I like it. Hi, Tracy. We have Michael Mikado. Hi, Michael. Welcome. No, that's not Michael. That's Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Ah. <laughs> Welcome to Patreon. I've told you I don't read. I can't. Just kidding. Michelle Mikado. We also have Jennifer and Patrick Dermudi. Dermudi? Hi, guys. Welcome to Patreon. Uh, yeah, so thank you, everybody, for joining Patreon. We do still have some leftover Christmas cards, so anybody who joins Patreon probably this month will get a Christmas card sent to them along with their sticker. Yeah, as long as we have them, we'll send them out. As long as we have them, we'll send them out. So I think we sent our last one out last year, like January 15th or something. So it's impressive. I know. Yeah, so thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate you guys. And we would love to hang out with you on Patreon as well. So come and check it out. All right. Thanks, you guys. And we will talk to you soon. Bye. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I don't understand why people assume that Bigfoot is like this stupid, unintelligent thing. And also, if he's human, like, why yeah. Why is it crazy to people that he would bury his dead? Like, that we wouldn't just, like, that we would just find Bigfoot bodies, like, chilling around. Well, I mean, we do that, right? Yeah. Like, a lot of animals have, like, burial sites or burial grounds. Like, so this is not our first Bigfoot uh, debate of the day, by the way, in case you were wondering. No, I had to show my mom the new drone footage that just came out. There's, like, new footage. Someone caught Bigfoot on... Allegedly caught Bigfoot walking through the snow. Yeah. <laughs> I just... I know technology is so good that it's really hard for me to really trust or believe people when they... Well, yeah. ...post these videos. But... I'm like a all the way, like I will believe it when I see it, but I feel like it's very possible I that there's some like sort it, of Bigfoot. Yeah, it's just like there's a lot of other creatures that are like impossible, like that just like couldn't, like the area they live in is just not plausible, but a Bigfoot? Yeah. In well, and look, of, at, look at what we're finding in the ocean too, I mean... There's stuff we've, we you didn't even know ever existed. I know. So. There's a bird they just, they didn't just. It was like in the last few years, they found a bird in South America that they thought had been extinct for forever. Oh. And they found it. They just like, someone stumbled Wait, upon are you the talking bird. about the movie Rio? <laughs> Actually, the bird from Rio is extinct. So uh, we'd put salt in a wound because there are no more blue But macaws. isn't that, isn't that they find like an entire... Like jungle full of blue macaws. That's the second, the second one. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they thought was it was extinct. Um, the second one makes me really uncomfortable. I, I don't, don't like, like it at all. One. No. Why is the bird's marriage at stake? Why is the bird's relationship at stake? That is well. That's not. I don't like the insecurity of that movie. Like, I feel like he's so insecure that entire movie. I, I can't feel like it, it should have been 
Blue living his life as a wild bird and trying to like yeah that like should have been they the should have done the second one agreed, it shouldn't have been agreed. them having kids and him being worried about his kids dying and then him being worried about like didn't we get over the fear in the first movie like his insecurity you mean yeah maybe they should have swapped it and had her be insecure yeah you know what like something should like I just feel like like maybe he should have done really good in the wild and she yeah. should have been like oh like she should have been like surprised that he was like doing yeah, good yeah. and made like they could have done anything sorry else. whoever wrote Rio too but do better <laughs> do better your sisters have been ma- making me watch the uh, Marvel movies by the way how's that yeah, it's fine, but every, like, 15 minutes, I'm like, wait, who's that character and what's going on? Because everything ties into some other movie. Like, some other Marvel movie. So, like, when they wanted to make me, like, sit down and watch one the other day, they were, like, arguing over which one it should be because which one will I be the least lost in not knowing all of the Marvel movies? We watched- I think that you can enjoy the Marvel movies without understanding the entire lore behind it. I don't know. We watched the one with the snap where, like, half the population disappears. Yeah. And Endgame? Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't remember it, what it was that's called. That's what it is. There were so many things in there that I didn't understand. Yeah. Um, that one's a little... F- I Except for I knew who Wanda was because I watched the WandaVision, the little miniseries uh-huh. or whatever. So when she came in and was pissed off at the the snap guy, I don't remember Danos. his name. Danos, thank you. When she was pissed off at him, I knew why, because he had killed Vision. Yeah. And then she had created that world. Yeah. That, did you see this miniseries on it? I the didn't finish it. Oh, it was actually, I, I liked it. It was I got, good. Well, I tried to download it for a plane ride or some trip that I was taking, and it only downloaded half of it. Oh, no. And then I never, after the trip, I never went back and watched oh. the other it's half not, of it. It's not bad. Uh, I was confused during that, too, because I didn't know, I didn't understand that she had, like, powers at first. Yeah. Like, I just didn't, I had no yeah. idea who, who anybody was. It. It's, I've seen a lot of the Marvel movies, but then the last, then I... And I've seen Black Widow. Yeah, okay. But yeah. but this one takes place after Black Widow, yeah, but it, it came out before Black Widow. Yeah, they all tie into I, can each somebody... other. It's like, it's like the Star Wars movies, how they they didn't come out in order, but they are in a specific order. Yeah, can but somebody it's... please do like a, a diagram, draw me a diagram of which Marvel movie I should okay. watch in which order? Because so here's what happened with those movies is that they released one movie and then it got so popular that they go back in time to show different movies. They go forward in yeah. time to make different movies. Uh-huh. Like it's just like the Star well, Wars movies. And in movies. this movie, they're jumping around in time. I'm like, what the fuck is going yeah. on? So I need an actual like diagram. Um, I think that you need to watch Doctor Strange for sure. Is that a show? There no, was... it's a movie. Oh, it's a movie. Okay, so one of the chicks in that was from that movie. From Doctor Strange? Yeah, she had bald head. Yeah, yes. And yeah. had like a crystal. That one I feel like is one of the big introducers of like the time travel and everything like that. Like that one. Okay. I feel like that will help you. Yeah, I just don't know all the sense. inside stuff. So I don't know where to start. If they're going to make me watch them, because that's what's happening, right? It was Lulu's birthday, and she's like, for my birthday, I want you to watch a Marvel movie with us. By the way, why are they so fucking long? It was so long. I was like, oh my God, it's so far past my bedtime right now. How much longer is on this movie? And Cadence was like, 
oh yeah, they they're all like three and a half hours long, and I was like, cool. Yeah, I'm not caught up on the Marvel movies because I went then I like got focused on Star Wars for like a year and mm, continued mm-hmm. to watch those, and then I did Harry Potter for a while, and now. Mm-hmm. Now I have to go back and watch a couple of the Marvel movies that I've missed. Yeah, so I'm going to need some advice from you guys. Anyway, mm-hmm. I remember when I was a teenager, everybody used to drive over the border to Canada to go drinking. Yeah, I, I COVID during my 19th birthday. Uh-huh. Yep. So I couldn't cross the border to go to Canada. Yep. So funny that it was so important to be able to go to a bar and legally drink. Like, why... <laughs> Why did that matter? I don't know. I have know. a confession to make. What? I have not gone to a bar since I turned 21. You haven't? No. We need to go to a bar. I literally have. I've been to a bar. When, when you weren't 21. Yeah. Huh. We but need to I go to a bar. Been to a bar. Well, I wanted to go for your 21st birthday, but you didn't have an ID or a passport at nope. the time. <laughs> I wasn't even concerned about it. Everyone's like, it's your 21st. You don't have your ID? I'm like. No? No. Yeah. I don't have an idea at all, actually. I have no form of identification. All right. Well, apparently Maddie and I need to go to a bar for her 21st birthday. Yeah, I... Months after her 21st birthday. 